This is episode 358 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are How to Build a Gypsy Well and Filter Water More Easily and The Critical EDC Items You Should Always Have on You. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my new ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. If you'd like to increase your finances and build up your emergency fund, pay down debt, and have money to purchase more prep items and gear, then you might want to think about having multiple streams of income. And this ebook will get you on the right track. If you're looking for more information, you can click on the link in the show notes or come over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. Hey, before we jump into our first article, I want to let you know that this Thursday I am doing a special Facebook live interview with Mick Rowland of mickrowland.com. He is an author and blogger. We're going to be talking about the power of community and uh, really looking forward to this. He is, uh, like I said, he's an author of dystopian fiction and then also uh, a blogger. I have re- I have read his articles before on the podcast here. And so really looking forward to that. If you can join us on Facebook Live on Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'd love to have you. I think it's going to be a great interview. So really looking forward to that. And uh, I'll just keep uh, reminding you here on the podcast uh, here for the next couple of days. And I'll also be sending out an email to those that are on the email list. So, all right, so let's go ahead and jump into our first article. It comes to us from survivalpedia.com and it is entitled How to Build a Gypsy Well and Filter Water More Easily. And I think this is a great article. I think it's something that everybody should know, uh, regardless if you go out camping or out in the wilderness or, or the woods, whatever. And uh, it's very easy, and you just need to know it. Uh, The great thing about this one, there is a video here that kind of walks you through. And uh, I was just watching the video. I mean, it's really great the way that uh, he kind of walks you through. He's just not talking about it. You get to see exactly what he's talking about, and it works out really great. So uh, let's go ahead and jump right into this article, and then uh, we'll uh, maybe have a little bit of commentary here as we go. So again, how to build a gypsy well and filter water more easily. Finding water in the wilderness can be a challenge, especially in some parts of the country. Finding relatively clean water can be even worse, yet clean water is essential in a survival situation. Taking chances with water, which is not clean, is extremely dangerous, especially if one's health is suffering from lack of proper nutrition or exposure to microscopic pathogens. But... What do you do if the only water you can find doesn't look all that appetizing? This isn't really all that unusual in the wild, especially in areas where water is rare. About the only thing you might find is muddy water or water that is stagnant and scummy, not exactly the best water to drink. The classic survival answer is that any water found in the wild should be purified. But I'd have to say muddy or scummy water probably needs more than just purification. Many of the purification methods we commonly use won't get rid of the mud or scum 
and those that will will quickly become clogged up if you use them to make the water both clear and clean. What is needed is a natural way of making the water clear, removing solids from it, before purifying it. The better this can be done, the easier it will be for any filter or other water purification method you choose to use. Rather than becoming plugged up with mud, a survival water filter could then simply remove the microscopic pathogens that it is intended to. This is where the gypsy well, sometimes also known as an Indian well, comes in. So what's a gypsy well? The gypsy well is a simple means of using the ground to filter water, specifically to filter solids and dissolved solids out of it. The ground beneath our feet naturally acts as, a, as such a filter with rainwater, water from melting snow, and water we cast out on the ground passing through it and being filtered by it as it works its way down to water-bearing strata. If you've ever built a biofilter or are familiar with the workings of a typical wastewater treatment plant, you will understand this in principle. In a biofilter, water to be purified passes through three separate layers of materials, gravel, sand, and activated charcoal. The gravel removes large solids, the sand removes small solids, and the activated charcoal removes many of the microscopic pathogens that can be found in the water. The resulting water is generally safe to drink. While you can't count on the ground you find out in the wild being layered perfectly as a biofilter, it will contain a combination of soil, sand, and gravel, allowing it to filter out most of the solids found in water. That's the idea we're going to work with to make a gypsy well and use it to clean dirty water. The gypsy well can also be used to draw water out of the ground when there is no surface water available. In such cases, there might be water just below the surface that is available, if you can get to it. One such place might be a dried up or nearly dried up stream bed where the water has soaked into the ground. Another such place would be some place where the presence of trees, especially trees that need a lot of water like willow, alder, or poplar are growing. In these cases, making a gypsy well provides an easy means of drawing the water out of the ground so that you can use it. While the well takes time to gather water, in many cases, the water will be well filtered of any debris and could even be clear. Now, I'm telling you this um, video that they have here that they chose to include, a uh, really great one. He uses moss to help even soak up and use moss as a sponge, um, but uh, I think after making this gypsy well, I think it was about 10 minutes uh, that he was getting clear water. And so it's uh, pretty, pretty awesome. You know, just recently I was reading about the plagues in the book of Exodus. And uh, when Moses turns the, the Nile into blood, right, turns it into to, to, you know blood red, um, the very last portion of that account talks about the Egyptians doing basically this, digging to the side of the Nile to be able to filter that water. And that's how they were able to survive the seven days that the Nile was red. And so uh, I thought that was really interesting to, uh, I don't, and that just kind of popped in my mind, uh, I guess, because I've recently read, uh, you know, I was reading in the book of Exodus, but I thought that was pretty interesting there. All right. So uh, let me continue on with this, uh, with this article. Making the gypsy well. Making a gypsy well itself is extremely easy, but the first part is selecting a good location for it. One key thing is to find a place where there will be water available that can collect in the well. 
The easiest place for this to happen is nearby an existing body of water. In this case, you'll want to dig the well so that its edge is within a couple of feet of the body of water you're trying to work with. If you are using the gypsy well to gather subsurface water, you'll want to pick a location where water is likely to be. Generally speaking, the lowest point you can find is more likely to have water. If you're trying to use a dry or semi-dry stream bed, look for a low point in it where a pool would normally form. That's where the water is the most likely to be close to the surface. If you're planning on digging a gypsy well in a valley, pick a low point in the valley rather than doing it on a hillside. Soft ground or mossy grass indicate the presence of subterranean water, just as plant life will. Any lush areas of plant growth are a strong indicator of underground water. The other thing you want to look out for is anything that could contaminate your water source. Avoid areas where you will find poisonous plants, chemical spills, or any sort of runoff which would contain chemicals. In this case, the more pristine the location, the better. Sandy soil is better for digging a gypsy well than pure dirt is. These wells will tend to provide clearer water. Avoid areas where there is a lot of clay in the soil as the clay will slow the movement of water from the soil into the well, perhaps to the point of making the well useless. The gypsy well itself is merely a hole in the ground, usually dug relatively square with straight sides and anywhere from 1 to 2 feet deep and 1 to 2 feet on a side. If you're, if you're digging it in soft ground, you may need to shore up the walls with sticks or stones to keep the soil from collapsing. If you do this with stones, you'll need to ensure that the well is large enough to accommodate the stones and still leave you an open area in the middle. A gypsy well that is being used to filter water in a stagnant pool doesn't need to be as deep as one that is being used to gather subterraneous water. The more arid the area and the longer it has been since the last drain, the deeper your well should be. Some experimentation may be required to come up with the ideal size and depth. It is a good idea to put a stick in the well, leaning against the side, so that any small animals which might fall into your well have a means of escape. In addition, a longer stick should be driven into the ground to mark the location of your well and keep people from falling into it. So using the gypsy well. What you've essentially accomplished when you dig a gypsy well is to create a man-made water trap. Natural seeps or holes or low points in the ground where water trapped in the ground gather. They have been used for centuries as a source of water in the wilderness. Your artificial seep will work just like they do. As such, it will probably take some time for your gypsy well to fill with water, perhaps even overnight. There is an additional advantage of leaving it overnight in that any sediment in the water will have a chance to settle. While it is quite possible that your well will produce clear water, there is no guarantee of that. However, the more sandy the soil, the clearer the water will probably be. Murky water from a gypsy well should be pre-filtered through cloth to remove as much sediment as possible. This can be done with an actual filter bag, such as it is used for pre-filtering the water in some swimming pool systems or in large aquariums. If that is not available, you can accomplish much the same thing by filtering the water through several layers of dense cloth. Good quality felt is best, but if you don't have felt available, a t-shirt will do rather well. Even if the water from your gypsy well is perfectly clear, don't assume that it is safe to drink. All water you find in the wild should be purified before use. 
including the water from your gypsy well. The soil the water passed through may have filtered out any solids in the water, but it would not have removed any microscopic pathogens in it. If anything, the soil might add these microscopic organisms to your water. This means using any of the standard methods that are taught for purifying water when out in the wild, like filtration, either with a bag-type water filter unit or through a straw-type filter such as the life straw. Keep in mind when using any sort of filter that you want the water as clear as possible before filtering it. Chemical Purification Probably the best chemical purifier is chlorine bleach, which can be used at a rate of 8 drops per gallon of water. However, you are more likely to have water purification tablets, which are a solid form of chlorine available to you in a wilderness survival situation. And then heat. Boiling or pasteurizing water will kill the microscopic pathogens, making the water safe to drink. Carrying a WAPI, or water pasteurization indicator, as part of your survival gear makes it easy to pasteurize water without having to boil it. Your gypsy well will continue to provide water as long as there is water in the ground to seep out into it. With wells dug alongside a body of water, they can theoretically continue providing water forever. However, you will notice that in most cases, the water production diminishes after some time, perhaps as little as a day. The easy solution to this is just to dig a new gypsy well in another location, far enough away from the first as to be drawing water from a new area of soil. When you do this, it's always a good idea to fill in the one that you are no longer using, so as to avoid leaving a dangerous hole for other people or animals to fall into. Always be considerate of others, as you never know what effect your actions might result in. Alright guys, so uh, again, that's it for this article, but uh, one that everyone should know. And you know, some people that have are into wilderness survival, maybe you've read books, you might know that, that might be just like a... Uh, a refresher for you, but there's a lot of other people. I mean, if you're, you know, you're new to preparedness or even new to kind of survival type things, and you've never really done anything like this before, um, you, it's, you know, this would be new to you. But definitely a way to to filter water and to uh, get it to a point where it's a little bit cleaner for you, so that you can use whatever water filter you have, whether that's, you know, uh, again heating it and boiling it, and then uh, or using. Uh, you know, bleach or your water, uh, the tablets, the chlorine tablets or water purification tablets is what I'm trying to say, or any other method, right? Um, Using a a Sawyer mini water filter or a life straw or whatever you might have. But a great way here of uh, just another tool to have in your skill of knowledge to have in your tool belt when you are thinking about preparedness and survival and all that good stuff. Uh, guys, that's over at Survivalpedia. If you get a chance, I would recommend going and looking at that video because it just you get to see it exactly like uh, you know th- they were kind of describing it in this uh, article. Uh, it's a little bit different, I-, I guess, the way that he does things, but is just uh, it just lets you see how well this works. And so, I definitely would recommend you checking out that video. All right, so again, so that's over at Survivalpedia. Like always, I will always link to it in the show notes so you can go and check it out. All right, our next article comes to us from ModernSurvivalOnline.com, and the title of the article is The Critical EDC Items You Should Always Have On You. And so there's uh, some good points made here, and uh, EDC stands for Everyday Carry, things that you should always have on you, that you should always uh, have available to you in a moment's notice. 
And so uh, let's go ahead and read this one, and uh, I'll chime in on this one as well. Quote, You step outside, you risk your life. You take a drink of water, you risk your life. And nowadays you breathe, and you risk your life. End quote. That's Herschel Green from The Walking Dead. Just like many people today, Herschel wasn't always aware of the risks that were in the world. He had to come to it in his own time. But once he did, it was clear things needed to change. He knew they all needed to be more alert and ready. In reality, there's no way you can ever predict exactly if and when you, a friend, or a family member will end up in harm's way and how severe it will be. But those of you who are paying attention know life is risky and it's unpredictable. We know you can't see something coming at you and hold up your hand and say, wait, let me get my gun or my flashlight, etc., Imagine you're at a stadium concert with your family and there's an explosion and the building fills with smoke. Or you witness a car accident on the highway and find a child trapped in the car seat. Nowadays, you could be attacked while walking your dog or while loading groceries into your car. Preppers know that being prepared can truly be the determining factor between life or death. For you, your loved ones, or even a stranger. And this is where everyday carry or EDC comes in. It's a strategy of readiness that focuses on some critical EDC items you should always have on you so you are prepared to deal with what life throws at you, no matter when it comes. When it comes to your EDC strategy, you need to prepare to address critical survival issues such as fresh air, water, shelter, and food in the best way you can. You also need to be prepared for any of life's little inconveniences that crop up address any medical issues that may arise, and be prepared to defend yourself against any person with an intent to do you harm. Your EDC are the items you carry with you at all times on your person so they are always with you. So fresh air. To breathe is critical. The average person can survive only up to three minutes without fresh air. If you find yourself in a smoke-filled building or trapped in a debris-filled area, you need to protect your lungs so you can stay alert and get to safety. For this reason, many people carry an N95 or even an N99 filtration mask or even a simple bandana as part of their everyday carry. Bandanas are versatile and can be used to carry things to protect your head or neck from sunburn, to help filter water, to make a sling or signal for help. If you suffer from asthma, your inhaler would be part of your EDC. Some people choose to carry a Shema, which is a larger and even more versatile version of a bandana. Water. To drink is the next most critical survival issue. Most people can survive for as many as three days without fresh drinking water, but many people will start to feel the impact of dehydration even before that. You can be alert and help yourself out of a bad situation if you are suffering from dehydration. So having the ability to get fresh water is critical. Most people include a portable water filter, such as a Life Straw or or a Sawyer Mini, as part of their EDC. You may also want to carry a water bottle or a packet of water and or iodine, iodine tablets to purify any fresh water source you do find. Shelter isn't always something people think of as being a critical survival need until they find themselves caught in a bad situation. The average person can only survive about three hours in extreme weather, so shelter is actually more critical a need than food. 
When it comes to EDC, you can't really carry a tent or a tarp around you every day, but you can carry paracord, which can be used in combination with things you can find around you to create a temporary shelter to protect you from extreme sun, rain, or snow. You can also carry an emergency space blanket, which comes in a small square package. Even just having this to wrap around you or someone who nearly drowned or was in an accident can make a huge difference. Fire is something that can be a critical resource for staying warm and for keeping wild animals away in a more rural situation. Fire is also necessary to boil water to purify and to cook any small game you may catch in a longer term survival situation. Most people carry a fire striker, but since you won't always be in a scenario where you have the time and materials for a tinderball, a lighter and waterproof matches as a backup are a great addition to your EDC. Actually, what I would say there is you would want a lighter and waterproof matches first and then let your fire striker be in the, the backup to those, uh, just being that um, you want to start off with the, the fastest way. You know, when you're in a survival situation, that is not the time to test your skills. That's the time to take care of your your needs. And so you want to move quickly and just use that lighter to start it. But definitely fire strikers. I know that we uh, I've talked about them before in the past here with survival hacks had a great deal on one that, man, it was just, uh, you know, a really nice fire uh, steal. And so definitely want to have one of those. Uh, you want to invest in those. And, and maybe I need to talk to Survival Hacks about uh, giving us another coupon code for that one because that was a really great deal. All right, so food. When it comes to food as part of your EDC, what you want is to have enough energy to keep up your strength in a short-term emergency or survival situation. Sure, the average person can manage to live as much as three weeks without food, but lack of food, specifically protein, will sap your energy long before that. So carry something like protein bars or a package of nuts to boost energy. For long-term situations, you may need to catch and clean small game. A fixed blade knife is great to have on hand for this. A knife also is great to have for a variety of other tasks, such as cutting paracord or even self-defense. Medical. When it comes to emergency situations, many of them involve some type of medical issue, whether it's a car accident, a drowning, an accidental laceration to the arm, or low blood sugar. You'll want to be prepared if professional medical help isn't immediately available. Consider including plastic straws or a pen to make an airway, needle and thread for sutures, a packet of sugar, bandages, an EpiPen, etc. You'll also want to be prepared for life's little medical inconveniences, so add things such as pain relievers, triple antibiotic ointments, and antihistamines medication. If you have any chronic personal medical issues such as heartburn, high blood pressure, etc., you'll want to carry at least one dose of your personal medications. Security and self-defense. Many types of survival situations occur because someone else intends to harm us. Whether you are a random victim or someone targets you, being prepared can save your life or the life of your loved ones. An intruder in your home isn't going to wait patiently while you get your gun from upstairs. If you are attacked or mugged, you need to be ready to defend yourself immediately. Consider adding pepper spray, a firearm, or a coubaton to your EDC. A tactical pen or even a tactical flashlight are also great additions. A whistle to signal or a small mirror to signal for help if you are trapped and can't yell loud enough to attract rescuers, 
attention are good ideas. In addition to the above items, other critical EDC items you should always have on you are your cell phone, your keys, and your wallet. Believe it or not, there are many essentials that fit in your wallet, keychain, and phone. In fact, by including just these three items as part of your EDC, you can easily carry a ton of items that are useful in an emergency or survival situation. Obviously, no one person can carry everything we've listed above. You will need to customize your EDC to fit your lifestyle and your personal needs. Concealed carry laws also differ in every state and sometimes depending on the building you will be in. Some preppers have multiple EDC kits and they swap them out based on what they are doing during the day and where they expect to travel. When it comes to EDC, experiment with different items until you find the combination or combinations that work best for your situation. The key to a successful EDC strategy is to feel confident that you are prepared to handle whatever life throws at you. All right, so a nice little article there on EDC. I like at the end where they were talking about the phone and uh, I think your phone nowadays, you know, there's a lot of people when they start talking about EDC, they start talking about all the gear. But again, like I said, at the end here, he's talking about you got to make your EDC what is best for you. And so un- unless you are like completely, totally against electronics, which if you were, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. But everybody now has a cell phone. So cell phones really need to be, uh, you really need to look at your your cell phone as part of your smartphone, as part of your EDC and uh, you know your everyday carry. And to the point where you leave the house and, and you're almost out of your neighborhood and you know turn back around because you know people are going to be getting a hold of you. Uh, if you are in a situation, your car breaks down, you want to be able to call someone, you know, all, you know, all the different things that you would use it for, uh, all the information that's there at your fingertips. You definitely want to have that. Uh, I wrote a whole article on that. The only thing that I would add to that is, uh, and I've talked about this very often, is having a battery backup. And so if you have the ability to, like if you work in an office and you can just put your phone on the charge and and you just keep it at, at full battery, um, that's good. But if you're someone who's always on the go, I would include uh, a backup battery bank for your for your EDC and one that, you know, they're not very heavy. If, you know, one, there's some that you can just put in your back pocket. Uh, there's some that you can put in your purse uh, or briefcase or backpack or whatever. They're very light and uh, can charge your phone two or three times. So definitely would, uh, you know, would um, give you that advice to add that. Um, and that might be one of those gifts that you just give people. Um, I like the idea, you know, when he was talking about um, the medical here, um, I've talked about that as well, where I have uh, made my little boo-boo kit. And that actually, I was looking at some of the statistics on Ed that matters, and uh, so that's my personal website for those of you who aren't familiar with that. And uh, Altoid Ten uh, articles are some of the uh, the popular ones, and especially the ones like the the Boo Boo Kit, where you put things in there that you're going to use. And and you know, I I I recently used band aids and uh, you know ibuprofen, and uh, I have Sudafed in there and allergy medicine as well. Um, I even have some little vials of, and I know this would probably be, uh, um, I took a trip and uh, I had to take, I was on a plane for a while. And uh, as I was going through customs, I took this little boo-boo kit because it just has a lot of little things that you would use. And um, 
but I did take the little vials of essential oils out because I'm sure TSA would have stopped me and there would have, you know, they would have wanted to know what that was. And, and I would have had all that s- static and, and I didn't have any problems whatsoever getting through TSA, but, uh, I did take those out, but I even have some essential oils, small little vials of essential oils in there that, uh, if I need for whatever, you know, lavender, uh, I have peppermint and, uh, also the uh, no, I'm sorry, lavender and also the allergy blend, and uh, it it definitely works. And I've helped other people who have had allergies and just you know just really not feeling well, and uh, able to uh, put some of that allergy blend on, and uh, they it really sold them on essential oils. So definitely um, making those little boo boo kits uh, is. Uh, one of those things that you can do, you stocking stuffers, little gifts that you can give away. I have made a bunch of them, and uh, you know I have decent little first aid kits in all the all the vehicles, but I've also put these little boo boo kits in all the vehicles as well, just kind of like you know in the console or whatever. And so uh, you know everyone who who drives knows that they're there. Every vehicle, they're in every vehicle, and so that they can get quick access to them. And so uh, definitely something that you, you should do. The, the whistle there, I think whistles are very important. I think every woman should have a whistle on their keychain. And when you are walking out of the store, going to your car, I think you need to have it ready and ready to go. There are some whistles that are very, very like the stormproof whistles, very, very loud. And uh, you, you would want to uh, have something like that. I think it's worth it. I think they're like maybe five ninety nine, six ninety dollars around there. Definitely. Um, again, going through the, the EDC, you know, sometimes I think people start thinking about EDC and they start thinking about like wilderness survival. My EDC that I carry every single day is nothing like a wilderness survival because I don't go out into the woods. Now, if I was someone who was out in the woods all the time, um, I would have more of an EDC survival, um, or I'm sorry, a wilderness survival EDC. Uh, mine is more for, you know, I, I work in uh, the suburbs and I, I live not too far away from where I work, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And so my EDC, the stuff that I carry every day is going to reflect more something along those lines. And so, uh, you know, that's something that you need to consider. The knife, I like the, the knife idea. I like to carry around a Leatherman. And even a lot of the times, you know, when I have, um, I even have the Leatherman Wave. And there is a, um, you know, for the Leatherman Wave, uh, it's the bigger one. And uh, it comes with a pouch. But I just don't like pouches on my belt and stuff like that. And so it comes with, or you can purchase a, uh, a belt clip for it. And uh, mine has worked out really, really well. I think it was like $5. It was an Amazon add-on. It was five bucks and it has worked very well, but it really does uh, pull. So, you know, cause the wave is kind of heavy. So if I am wearing uh, dress slacks, you know, like at work and stuff like that, I don't carry that on me. It's usually in my backpack, which my backpack is always with me. Um, but I, I don't carry it when, when I'm wearing blue jeans or maybe even shorts. Um, I can carry that wave very easily and, and it fits, you know, if it's fine. But anyway, so I think a knife, a multi-tool is very uh, important. Actually, I have multiple, <laughs> multiple knives in my backpack uh, when, when I, uh, I carry there. I like the Shema. Um, 
idea. So the bandana, I think you should have one of those. So many uses for that. Um, and maybe I need to do an article. I know that I've posted articles on multi-uses of bandanas before. And maybe I need to go and pull one of those for uh, like the Friday article. But uh, the Shamal is just that bigger version of them. And you can get them very cheaply on Amazon. So I would suggest that you go ahead and get one of those. But a really good article. Think about think about EDC. Think about the things that like, you know, you, whenever you're in a situation like, man, I wish I had this whatever that might be, you know? And, you know, again, for if you are someone who's not going out into the wilderness, you're not going out into the, you know, you don't need water purification tablets with you because you, you're, you know, your every day is in the suburbs, right? You might, instead of that, you might have something like a small sewing kit. Um, you know, that was like, Todd, what do you mean? Well, you know, you might be at work and you might pop a button or a button might, uh, you know, you might snag a button on, on, you know, whatever, and uh, you might need to sew on a button really quick. And so you can put some thread and a needle into, uh, into a little Altoids tin or your everyday carry kit. And you have something along those lines. You might, um, you know, have a lot of meetings going from place to place. You might want to carry around some breath mitts. That might be part of your EDC, right? Uh, something along, you know, something along those lines. You might want to put some extra money in your EDC so that, uh, you have that just in case of an uh, of an emergency, and that might happen. So there's just a lot of things that you can do there. And again, make it fit yourself. Make it fit what you require for your life. And uh, again, like make it your own. So uh, again, guys, that's over at modernsurvivalonline.com. And uh, the article is entitled, The Critical EDC Items You Should Always Have on You. Well, hey, everyone, that is it for episode 358. Thanks so much for starting your week off with me. Hey, if you are new to the Prepper Website Podcast and you are not subscribed, you can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and you can subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast network. We make it very easy for you over there. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. Hey, and take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.